0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 49 of the Yellow Card Podcast. Today, as always, we have myself, our fearless leader, Diego Galvis, Chris Jones. He's looking for something off in the distance right now. Uh, As always, we are presented by Couch Guy Sports. Make sure you check out the blog, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the Twitch streams. We got all sorts of fun stuff going on there on a daily basis. And, of course, as well, a big thank you to our sponsors, Exogon. You can use code cgs ten ten uh, for 10% off your order at checkout. Uh, and you can get a nice product there to help keep yourself in ship shop sh- tip top shape. I missed up my S's and T's early in the morning. Uh, but you know what? We, we all need it because... Uh, we're at the beginning of a very, very long Premier League season, and I don't know how we're all going to recover from this transfer window. To be honest with you guys, I think we all need a some percussion therapy and a deep tissue massage to get right for the rest of the season. But uh, I'm hearing some rumors that today's a big day for the Yellow Card Podcast. It is.
1: It is nothing like a like a good pulsating stroke from ExoGyn. So,
2: first and foremost, round of applause Andrew. Yes, <laughs> that was. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Miller. Off the cusp. I didn't know where you were going with anything, but I loved it. I loved it. No, it I, out of 10. And that was, should, he, he, that was the best
0: introduction. That uh,
1: was the best introduction I've seen for this podcast. It almost felt like Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: should, I think he should be the guy now. I think he should be the one that opens us up. He he does it better than Trebek. Well, I don't know about that. You are a legendary, uh, Andrew. God rest his soul. But, no, um, we have a lot to talk about today. I think the first thing that is necessary that needs to be talked about is the fact that he's coming home. Cristiano Ronaldo is working his way back to Manchester United. What's well, the well, Manchester well,
1: well, United wait, team? Wait, 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 wait a second. You're getting a little too ahead of yourself. You're getting too excited, too fast. You're doing this too fast, too soon. Number one, Andrew mentioned that it was a big day for the Yellow Card Podcast. So we're going to take two seconds to give this crew a round of applause because after 49 episodes in, we are celebrating one year of being a podcast originated from Boston on the Couch Guy Sports Network. So round of applause, everybody. Also, It's also been a year, a thousand followers later, and – I I I don't even know like what to say anymore because I know it was at first just an idea. We we're just like, ah, oh, let's see how this goes. Let's see let's see where this takes us. N- Never in our lives did we think we we're gonna have three hosts, a bunch of really really good guests, and uh, I can't believe next week we're gonna be fifty episodes in. That is crazy. Fifty episodes in. Um, but anyways i know we got a lot to talk about um a lot of action happening this week in in the world of soccer the world of football what it should really be called um jones was mentioning something earlier about the return somebody coming home so jones i'm gonna let you start off with that segment let's get let's get it going episode 49 starts now
2: Reload the thing. Reload the thing. Reload Reload it. Reload it. All Reload. right, we're back. We're back. We're back. Lots to talk about this week. Again, big shout-out to Couch Guy Sports who gave us a chance a year ago today to start covering soccer. And Boy, what a ride it's been. This time around, year two, year two, we have had probably one of the best transfer windows of all time. We've seen the transfer window where a month ago, guys like Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo were staying put. Now, Messi went to PSG. Ronaldo works his way to Manchester United. He's back home in Old Trafford. We have a Manchester United fan here. Texted me about how he was crying yesterday at one point. <laughs> um, And I think real quick before we talk about what he means to Manchester United, I think the big thing that we have to take away is that both Messi and Ronaldo have moved – During the transfer window, for no less than a combined, I think it's like $25 in transfer fees, which is insane. So I'm going to let the Manchester United guy go first just because this is his team, and then we'll let the teams like myself and Andrew discuss why we either A, don't like it for us, B, what it means for Manchester United, on the outside looking in, and see what potential could this team actually have now this year? Now that they have a bona fide world class striker like Cristiano and all, of them. so Diego, the floor is yours.
1: Sure. So um, the return of the return of the goat is insane for for Manchester United. Um, I think, you know, in, in this age group that we're all in, we're all millennials and whatnot. Um, I think that one of the most legendary moments that we have of Ronaldo was the start of his career, uh, his professional career, having arrived to Manchester United after being transferred from uh, Sporting Lisbon, which is exactly where Bruno Fernandes was transferred from um, a couple of years ago. Um, here comes this Portuguese guy with um, great attitude, great feet movement. Um just something completely original of his own, completely different uh, from the pace that United had back then, uh, and really, really kind of sent like a virus across the the club to change his dynamics and his style of game, and where United really came to be uh, a massive powerhouse uh, for for a long while now. Uh, sort of Alex Ferguson and, and him. A phenomenal relationship that you don't see much happening these days. Um, unfortunately, Ronaldo leaves to Real Madrid, takes on, on, on his new roles wherever he goes, develops a career that you know nowadays it's arguably one of the greatest of all times, right next to Messi and um Pele and, and, and Maradona. Um, you know, and for, for a while now, it seemed like he had been very. Unhappy with Juventus um, being there, he just he just wasn't wasn't feeling the uh, the ideas behind it. Um, no disrespect to the club, because he wrote a very nice um, farewell message yesterday to Juventus. Um, he he is a guy that when he comes into the pitch, he gives it all day in and day out. Um, in fact, he's never pleased with his performances. Um, and that's exactly what you, what you kind of need it right now in Manchester United. Um, this is a core of, of guys that also grew up watching this guy develop so well in Manchester United. And to people like Jadon Sancho, Marcus Rashford, um, Raphael Varane, Harry Maguire, heck, even David De Gea. He's been, he's been, been inspirational to all those guys. Um, he played with David De Gea by towards the latter part of his career with Manchester United um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and him had a good relationship towards you know I, I think towards the closing end of his career as well with Manchester United um, this is this is more than just a return of somebody Um, to Manchester United, this is, this is an epic moment for, for the club. Um, the fact that it didn't compromise us losing somebody like Paul Pogba or Mason Greenwood or Marcus Rashford in order to get his talent from Juventus to here. Uh, it's, it's a huge, huge sign for us, um, Speaking of returns of people to to the club, this is the second guy that has returned to the club. Paul Pogba returned to the club from um, from Triventus, having having been at Manchester United first, and then having gone elsewhere to do his career, and come back to United. Um, now Ronaldo as well, so it's it's a it's a great feeling. Um, I think what I, I think what now is really the, the mindset is, okay, you have a phenomenal team because you do on on hand, on paper, however shape or form you want to look at it up and down this roster. This is an incredible roster. Um, now the main thing is Salkshire doesn't have any more excuses. Either develop a deep enough game or this just isn't a club for you to manage. Um, I think... Solskjaer has proven us that he can do it now with the leadership of somebody who has had the experience of taking United to Champions League titles, Premier League titles, FA Cup titles, and all that stuff. um, This just adds up to his resume to be able to help this team put it all together and have a really good campaign in 21, 22. Um, So it's exciting. Um, Now I just wonder what number will he wear for Manchester United? That's really all I wonder
2: now. All right. Um, Let's get the Everton point of view here. Uh, Mr. Uh, Everton or Magic, what are your your thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo back in Old Trafford?
0: I mean, on the pitch, it's certainly a a pretty frightening prospect. I mean, I know that Rashford is out for – a little while longer at this point, but a front three of Marcus Rashford, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Jaden Sancho is up there with the best front threes in the league without a doubt. Um, I think I think this move might put Man United right up in the thick of things with regards to the title race. I wasn't entirely sold on them when we were doing our, our preseason predictions, um, so I had them finishing third just a step behind Chelsea and City in the top two. But like Diego said, there's no more excuses now. You have, outside of maybe a, a defensive midfielder, you have just about everything you could want uh, if you're Manchester United and if you're Solskjaer right now. So I think I agree with what Diego said in that it's time now for Solskjaer to either take the reins and oversee this sort of new era at manchester united or step aside and not quite figure things out um because he has the players and he has the talent that he needs to to get the job done and contend for league titles and cups and european glory again so i mean it's it's quite a storyline it's insane that like to think of the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Manchester United after so many years at Real Madrid and Juventus might not even be the biggest storyline of this transfer window. If you told me that at the beginning, I would have said you're crazy because it's hard to imagine many things bigger than that. But when you have Messi leaving Barcelona for the first time, when you have everything that's gone on in this window, it's, it's crazy that it's a part of something bigger rather than, the number one storyline without a doubt Um, but I think it's a huge gap for Manchester United on the field and I think he one thing that is interesting about Ronaldo's career is I think more than Messi he's sort of adjusted the way that he's played over the years as he's gotten older and his body has changed Um, he's a different player than he was when he was first with Manchester United for sure but that doesn't mean that he's really any less effective because he's still banging in goals and just absolutely ruthless uh, when he gets the ball around the penalty area. So I don't blame Diego for being very excited. I think this is a, a huge, huge move for Manchester United. And I think it, it I don't want to say it turns them into a scary team because they are already a very good team before this, but There's no denying that adding someone of the stature of Cristiano Ronaldo helps you take huge steps forward, no matter what team you are.
2: So I think my big takeaway from all of this is that, you know, Diego said his happiness in Juventus was not the greatest. And I think him and his agent did a really good job to, quote unquote, get City involved because he really wanted to come back to Manchester United. I think them getting City involved kind of lit a, a fire under United's team. And they were like, well, we can't let one of the greatest Manchester United players ever go to City. That's not how this works. So I think, <clears throat> I think when United heard about the fee that they were, that Juventus was just trying to get for them, I think that's a solid gap for a team like Manchester United. Like I said, <clears throat> When we talk about the Champions League, I still think this is the team that's going to win the Champions League. And now they just bolstered their offense even better by getting such a talented striker, winger, wherever you want to put him in, Cristiano Ronaldo. I think with him playing up front, he's just making guys like Anthony Martial expendable, even more so than he already was. So I think for United, it makes it makes a whole lot of sense for this move, and I think. Again, they're going to be in the talks for um, the Premier League title again this year. But at the same time, I think their focus is going to be too much on the Champions League, which we're going to talk about literally right after this. And I think that if you look at it as a whole, I do see United being a lot better than people think now because getting a guy like this. I think their big thing is if they can add – before the, the transfer window ends, if they can add a like a rock solid center defensive mid, <coughs> excuse me, if they can add a rock solid guy to play their center defensive midfield. I think they would be the team to be easily. I think that's just their their one weak spot in their lineup right now.
1: I mean, it, it isn't. It isn't because we still have yet to see how Rafael Varane performs uh, with United. He's a, he's a great center back. He's had a phenomenal track record with Real Madrid and whatnot. Uh, we just need to see what combination works better. Maybe Varane and Lindelof, or maybe Varane and Maguire. Uh, maybe even Varane and, and, and um, Bay. for all we know. Uh, but I, I agree with you. The center back position is still something that is not quite figured out at United. Uh, to be quite frankly honest with you, it, it barely ever was. Um, even when back in the day when we had Rio Ferdinand, uh, that defense was really made thanks to Gary Neville, you know. Yeah, Rio Ferdinand was solid in the center, but it was Gary Neville that was shutting down the left wing attack, left and right. That, I the, more so the defense so, I for was, United has never been
2: something that really has been their trademark. Their, I wasn't even really talking about their back four. I was talking about in Ole's formation where you have guys like Fred and McTominay that are playing that line right before they get back into the front four. I'm talking like that aspect.
1: I think for me, I me think from now on you just see a lot of McTominay.
2: But say for me personally, Fred just doesn't move the needle. <laughs> McTominay, McTominay, I think overall is better and can help you guys in, the, in a in a bigger way. But if you were to get a potential another name, just to like kind of counteract. McTomney rather than having to rely on Fred, who in certain situations just goes balls to the wall and gets himself in trouble all the time, I think you guys will be fine. I'm not really worried. <clears throat> Trust me to all the Manchester United fans out there, including the new ones starting uh, as of 2021. This is a good signing for you and be ready because this team's going to be loaded and ready to go. All right, let's move on to the UCL Champions League. We got the draw. The other day, which was dragged out to max capacity, by the way. I want that on the record. It was, it was horrendously drawn yep. out. Um, Champions League is out. <clears throat> so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about each group and what we're, we're going to talk about where we think each group finishes up. So the first group is Group A, which, boy, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, there, there are two heavyweights in that group, and I can't wait for both of them. So the first first team on it is Manchester City. Then you got PSG. So we're gonna see City versus PSG twice in the group stage from September to, to December, which is fantastic to think about. Then you got RB Leipzig and you got Club Bruges. I'm gonna start with Andrew here. Andrew, give me your group A, how you think they play out?
0: Okay, yeah, I think that uh that City PSG matchup is probably the marquee one in the group stage for sure. I'm going to go with Man City number one in this group, winning this group, PSG two, RB Leipzig three, and then Club Bruges four. Shout out to Tejan Buchanan, by the way, moving to Club Bruges in January. Big move for the, yep. the Revs winger. But, yeah, I see them finishing fourth in this group, personally. All right.
1: Diego? All right. So I see Paris Saint Paris Germain uh, first. Um, uh, Man City second. Lipstick third and club group four. Although I wouldn't be surprised because it's RB Lipstick and they have been real good at doing these. If RB Lipstick becomes a problem in this in this group, and can potentially knock down Manchester City to third.
2: I don't hate that uh, thought on your end either. <coughs> God, I'm throwing up there. Um, but literally, my group A is the same as Diego. I think PSG, they're two talented from top to bottom. I think they're going to get the best of City here in both of these matches. But I think PSG, I think City, uh, RB Leipzig, and Club Rouge for the moment. Uh, <clears throat> moving on to Group B. Group B, in my opinion, is the group of death. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are, but I think this is probably one of the toughest toughest groups in the group stage. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I agree. Four teams in Group B. We have Atletico Madrid. We have Liverpool. We have uh, Porto. And we have AC Milan. So, fellas, I'll start with Diego. Diego, give me your one two, four here.
1: Sure. Um, I'm gonna go with Liverpool first, Milan second, Athletico third, and Porto fourth.
2: Do I have reasoning behind having AC Milan over Athletico Madrid? I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah, so I think AC Milan this year lined up themselves to be a very good uh, powerhouse in the Italian league. Uh, the addition of Oliver Giroud at forward is a huge addition for their, uh, for their squad. They're full of, of youth uh, experience. They're go-getters. They're, they've been very uh, uh, grindy-driven, and I think this is the year where they can prove that. Um, I think for Atletico, my concern is the health of Luis Suarez, being able to stay healthy throughout the the campaign, uh, seeing how physical this group is going to be, because Liverpool plays a very physical game, and so does Porto, so does does AC Milan. Um, I think that if they were to to lose Luis Suarez in the attack, Atletico Madrid's performance drops significantly. It's almost like last year's um, episode of, If there's no Erling Haaland for Borussia Dortmund, then Dortmund is in a six-in. And I think it's the same exact thing for Atletico this year. Uh, Atletico is also poised to lose uh, Saul as well during the October transfer window. Uh, Therefore, why I think Atletico's uh, Champions League year this year is really not as hot as people think it
2: could be. All right, I'll go here. So, I'm going a little bit different around here. I'm going to go Liverpool 1. I'm going to go Athletico 2. AC Milan and Porto. But I think this group has legit potential to be like – they could be separated by legit a point from 1 to 4. Like, Liverpool could literally – win based off of goal differential, in my honest opinion. I think either way, no matter who plays who and what matchup, this group is going to be fun to watch from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Um, I think I'm going Atletico Madrid 1, Liverpool 2, Porto 3, and Milan 4, but like you said, Chris, I think like any of these teams could theoretically get out of this group and it wouldn't be a huge surprise, which is why I think we all sort of think it's the group of death. Um, What you said about goal differential and the teams being very close together is why I'm picking Atletico Madrid personally, because I think they do really well in low scoring games and they're very solid defensively uh, have been really since Diego Simeone has been there. So I feel like that sort of plays into their hands if the group does shake up in that sort of way.
2: I just think, like, last year when we talked about the group of death, when we talk about United, PSG, Leipzig, and um, Istanbul, Basel, Shakir. I think this year, with the group of death, it's just any any anybody could do it. Like, there's no, like, clear-cut potential to that come out of it, you know what I mean? So I think that's where... I think it's 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 better. All right, we got Group <laughs> C now. Group C, we got uh, Sporting CP, which is Ronaldo's old team, Fr- Bruno Fernandez's old team. We got uh, Borussia Dortmund, Ajax, and Bashitas. oh I wanted to say, all right, I almost just said mosquitoes, bas- like mosquitoes. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'll go first here. I think we're gonna get Dortmund winning the group. I think it will will look Dortmund, Ajax, Sporting, and however Diego said that to him. The secret. (laughs) We'll go go Andrew here.
0: Yeah, I like this group a lot, actually. It just so happens that Dortmund and Ajax are probably my two favorite teams to watch outside of England, so that's kind of cool that they're in the same group. Um, Assuming that Dortmund... Keep a hold of Erling Haaland through the end of the window. I'm going Dortmund one, Ajax two, Sporting CP three, and Besiktas four. So we have the same order, um, but I'm very much looking forward to those two Dortmund Ajax matches in this group.
2: Okay, Mister Mister Galvis, I'm gonna go in
1: a different route here. Um, I'm gonna go. Ajax first, Sporting second, Besiktas third, oh. and Dortmund fourth. I think Dortmund's financial crisis continues to be a major issue for that club. Um, I don't think their manager fully is prepared to develop the talent that needs to be developed at Borussia Dortmund to be competitive as they need to be. Um, and therefore, while we could see Erling Haaland actually leave come October, especially as they are scrambling for funds uh, to be able to, if he if he wants to stick around to, in Dortmund until 2022, until the end of 2022, they have no way of paying him during the summer. Um, and so therefore, Haaland will probably become a player somewhere else come October window. Without Holland, they don't really have that many strikers. Uh, Marco Marco Royce is not the same anymore. Uh, Jude Bellingham can only do so much. They don't. They no longer have Jadon Sancho, uh, and their defense is shaky at best. Um, therefore, I don't really think Dortmund is going to be as much as we saw them be last year. Um, and in meanwhile, though, the Besiktas has been a really, really good Turkish club. Every single time that they have fought in the Champions League, they've always been a pest. And this is probably their best group stage draw that they have gotten, um, where they realistically have a chance to compete. And I think this is the year we see them competing. Uh, Sporting, on the other hand, has been a club that develops a lot of great talent. As you mentioned, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Nani. That's another one as well that came out, out of... Out of Sporting, um, the, the the team there is phenomenal. A very young core of uh, obviously Portuguese players um, with a lot to with a lot to prove and a lot of uh, value to offer to to clubs. Therefore, I expect them to have a, a huge campaign this year. Um, I think this is the despite the third time that they are back in the Champions League. Uh, in the past ten years, so it, it would be very interesting to see them um, advance to the to the group stages, and I think that they can do it.
2: Okay, um, moving on to Group D, which is basically a reunion from Group D of last year, which is it really think, was yeah. no? Uh Obviously, besides uh, Gladbach, which went to Twitter and and said so, we didn't get invited to the reunion group this year. Which was, was, a was terrible by the way. Yeah. Uh, so Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar, Dardanes, and then for the first time ever, team from Moldova is in the Champions League. We have Sheriff. So I'm gonna start with so A, B, C, D, Fasciano.
0: All right. Um, to be honest with you, I have some questions about the two the two big dogs in this group right now. Inter. We obviously all know the the financial difficulties that they had this summer. It's the reason Antonio Conte left. It's the reason they sold star players like Romelu Lukaku. So there's there's no denying that they're not the same Inter team that they were a season ago. Now that doesn't mean they won't be good this season, but they just aren't the same exact team that they were a season ago. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they, whether or not they can click into gear in time. Uh, for the Champions League matches, then Real Madrid. We're all still wondering whether or not Kylian Mbappe is going there. If he is, it's a huge get, and he strengthens the team a ton without a doubt. If not, I don't. I'm not entirely sure who their who their main man is. Um, there's a couple different candidates. I think that you could make an argument for whether it's Luka Modric or Kareem Benzema. Go to beaten Hazard or exactly. Um, but I think that getting someone like Mbappe could really help bring them back up a level um, and give them that sort of figurehead type of player. Um, so because of that, I, th- I think that one of those two teams will not make it through. And what I'm thinking at this point in time is Real Madrid is going to get things in order enough to win the group. I'm going to go with Shakhtar Donetsk second to get out of this group. Inter third, and then as much as I'd love to see them win games and play well, I think FC Sheriff are on paper the weakest team in that group and will finish fourth, although it's very, very cool to see them in the group stage to begin with.
2: Diego?
1: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Andrew said. Um, I'm gonna go Real Madrid. Um, I'm gonna go Shakhtar Donetsk as well. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Inter and then Sheriff as well.
2: Now, right before we started to do this, I said to myself, "I can't wait for Group E because I'm going to be so different." And what I do. And guess what? <laughs> I'm not different because my co hosts fucking agree with me. <laughs> so, Real Madrid kicking it off. Chocard and S. We saw what they could do last year in the Champions League, especially against a team like Real Madrid when they were down a, a lot of guys due to COVID. Inter Milan, they just, in the Champions League, Inter Milan just doesn't ever take that step forward. And I think that's, uh, again, more of the same that we see this year. And we'll see how bad their offense is going to need Romelu Lukaku in situations like this, and then obviously Sheriff from Moldova. Hopefully, we see them back here soon again. All right, moving to Group E: Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Benfica, Dynamo Kiev. Start with Diego. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, I'm gonna go Barcelona first. Benfica second. Whoa. <laughs> Bayern uh, Bayer third. A Bayern third. Jesus Christ, and Dynamo Kiev. Um, I think for Bayern, there's two things that I'm concerned about. Uh, Robert Lewandowski has already requested a trade out of Bayern. He's not happy there anymore, and he wants a different challenge. Uh, Thomas Mueller is not the same Thomas Mueller anymore. He's aging faster, and he's not the same on the field as he has been. Um, in terms of forwards for Bayern the only forward that is somewhat of a threat it's Mortin. and he wasn't much of a threat anymore at PSG when they traded him um, if Lewandowski does leave and he's traded by this by this October window I don't think Bayern is going to be as much of a powerhouse as they, as they have been. If he doesn't get traded, that can definitely see Byron being second. But I think the big factor of that, if with Lewandowski, um, comes to be a big problem for, for the clubhouse and therefore why, um, Byron could be on a rebuild year this year and then kick it back up, um, to second gear next year when they come back into the champions league, uh, Actional things because I don't think in that Bundesliga there's any other clubs that really do uh, challenge for for the trophy as much as Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund do. Um, Benfica, on the other hand, they are they are really good Portuguese team. Man, Um, they they did a really good campaign last year, proved to uh, the Portuguese league to be there. Uh, there were Porto's probably biggest threat during the whole entire year. Um, and they're, they're just sneaky good. I I, I wouldn't sleep on them. Um, I, I said it last year that Porto was going to be a really good sneaky team to watch during the Champions League. They were. They became best to a lot of uh, really good mega powers in the Champions League. I think this year the... Potential sneaky good team of the whole entire Champions League is Benfica, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with, with them on this one.
2: <laughs> okay, um, I'm going in a little bit different direction just because, yeah, um, I'm going Bayern Munich one, Barker Barca two, Benfica three, Dino Kiev four. I think, uh, for Champions League purposes, I think this. Just having the name Barcelona automatically helps. Um, I think Bayern, I think you're not giving Bayern enough credit. I know, you know, when you lose your head coach so he can go be the coach of the national team, you bring in a guy like Julian Nagelsmann, Obviously it, it hasn't set in right away. But I think we're seeing guys like Serge Avery look real good. We're seeing, you know, they still got Manuel Neuer, who's probably one of the best goaltenders in the world. Um their midfield game is, like you said, like they're good. like, your know, Thomas Muller is getting a little bit older, but at the same time, I think this team still has enough, especially in this group. I think Benfica will be a pest, but I think they'll be a pest enough where they fight Barcelona for that that two spot and still end up back going back to the Europa League. I think they'll be a very tough team to beat in the Europa League.
0: Yeah, I I'm. Approaching this group with a very similar thought process to what Chris said. Uh, I see Bayern winning the group fairly comfortably. Uh, I personally don't think Robert Lewandowski is going anywhere. I can't really see that happening, although I know that he did. Uh, like you said, Diego put in a transfer request and there's been talk about that. Um, I think Barcelona maybe will start a little bit slow in this group and have some difficulty finishing second, but I think they will do so in the end. Uh, and then I see Benfica third, potentially challenging Barcelona uh, all the way to the end of the group. And then Dynamo Kiev, I think, will finish fourth in this one.
2: Nothing would be better for Andrew's uh, sake than Ronald Coleman struggling oh, manage yes. it I, I'm, I'm <laughs> always
0: okay with that happening.
2: All right, let's move on to Group F. This one, I'm excited for this group. This is, I think, this is probably this was probably my second favorite group they put together. So you got Villarreal, Manchester United, which again, <laughs> two times we're gonna see a rematch of the Europa League final last season, which was fantastic. Uh, you got Atalanta, and you got the sensational young boys FC. So I'm gonna start here. I think united's too talented now i think they finished the top of the group i think villarreal too i'm going young boys three because i want to see them in the, in the europa league and i'm going Antelanta four. am sorry okay uh, yeah uh, i'm going right, uh, on. Go right on. There, there's yeah. an order to this Come on.
0: <laughs> i i also think manchester united should win this group um In my mind, it's between Atalanta and Villarreal for that second spot. I think I'm going to go with Villarreal. Um, Disrespecting
2: young boys like that.
0: I know. Uh, And, yeah, then I'll I'll put Atalanta three, young boys four, although you can't not root for them with such an excellent name. But, yeah, I think they're going to finish fourth. Um,
1: I'm going to go Manchester United first. I agree with you guys. I think the the lineup this year is just too stacked for them to to fail. Um,
2: if they can, can, I if they fail to make it out of the group stage, there should be no reason why Oleg Gonna should be your your manager.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I, I agree with it. Um, I actually am gonna go Atalanta second. Um, gotta give credit to their forward uh, duo. Of Luis Muriel and Duvan Zapata, they were nice. incredibly, they were incredibly good last year in the Champions League. They've continued to be really good um, this year, and I, it wouldn't surprise me. BRL um, I want to see them second, but I, I, the problem, the problem that I have with BRL is Unai Emery himself. He has, he has these these seasons with teams where there is one really good year of management and there is about two to three of just his anger getting to him when things don't go right. And this is one of those groups that is very challenging where for any of these clubs, things might not go right along the path. And should that be the case for Unite Emery, I think whatever chemistry he built last year with his team – Crashes and burns, and it becomes a problem for him to end up in the Europa League, uh, which wouldn't be bad considering that they won it last year. Um, but I just don't think. I, I it could also it could also be one of those case scenarios where Real could just completely crash and burn, and actually Young Boys goes to the Europa League, and Real just misses the boat. Um, but I'm gonna go Real third, and I'm gonna go Young Boys fourth
2: disrespecting young boys man god damn all right move on to group g uh we got um blue one winners from last season the lie uh we got Sevilla we got Salzburg and we have Wolfsburg this is sorry a, I gave you such a such a group to start on
0: yeah I know this is a this is an interesting one um it's a it's I wouldn't call it a group of death, but it's definitely another one where I don't think it would necessarily be a huge shock if any of these four teams advanced. Um, I personally think Sevilla will win this group. I think on paper they're the best team in the group. Um, number two, I'm going to go with RB Salzburg, led by Brendan Aronson. I think they'll have a, a decent Champions League group stage in advance. Um I think Wolfsburg will finish third. I'm, I know Lille had a good season last year, but I'm not really sold on them, to be honest. I, If I recall correctly, I don't think they performed too well in Europe last season either. Um, so I think they're going to finish fourth in this group. Uh, but Sevilla and Salzburg to finish first and second in advance.
2: I think Lille is going to finish last in the group?
0: Yeah, yeah. Wolfsburg
2: okay. third and Lille fourth. All right. Uh, Diego.
1: Uh give me just one second here. Why, why don't you go? Because I, I got you want me to
2: go?
1: Yeah, I gotta look into yeah. something.
2: Got a brain part. Yeah, you. yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Uh so my number one in the group is obviously Sevier again. I agree with Andrew here. I think they're the better team out of everything that's going on right now in this group. I think Wolfsburg is gonna finish two. I think we've seen them slowly turn into a solid team overall. And I think in this group, um They're the second-best team in this group, and I think they finish that way. I think Lille is going to be three, and then Salzburg, four.
1: All right. I'm going to go with Sevilla first. Lyle, second. Wolfsburg, and then Salzburg.
2: I like how all over the place you are with this group. Yeah. It's a tough one to call. Well, with, right.
1: with Lyle, you just simply can't forget about um, Bamba. You can't forget about um, their forwards, yomez and, and uh, David. Like they, They're really good. They still
2: um, have um, what's-his-face?
1: Yeah, Fonte on, on there, who is a really good center back. Um, I think they still have Renato Sanchez as part of the lineup, which mm-hmm. – Renato Sanchez, as it is, he he was incredible in the Euro 2020 and the level of, of performance that he's been at is just been amazing. No, okay. um,
2: For whatever reason, I thought they had Victor Oshman still on that team. No. They do not. No, they He's playing in Napoli. Yeah. Okay. All so, right, let's moving, moving to Group H. We have Chelsea, the reigning winners of the Champions League. We have Juventus. We have Zanin. And we have Malmo from Norway. Sweden. Sweden.
1: Oh, Sweden, that's right. Yeah. Uh Diego, I'm gonna
2: let you start
1: in. I mean, this is this is easy. Um it's gonna go Chelsea, Juventus, Malmo, and Zen and Zenit, or Zenit, however you call them. Then Chelsea just got we the easiest that. group of the whole entire Champions League, to be honest with you.
2: You're good. You going Mamo over Zanit? Yes. Well, I'm going Zanit over Mamo for the third spot. But No, Chelsea and Juventus one-two. Zanit, Mamo for me. Uh, Chelsea again. This is probably one of the the better groups for them because you play who I think Juventus is going to play them tough. Don't get me wrong. Um, even without even with losing Cristiano Ronaldo, I think Massimiliano Allegri will have this team ready, and they just picked up a new signing today, Andrew. Well, Keane yes, to yeah. Juventus. That's yeah. official. Moist is a, is going to be a player on Juventus now. Italia's Moist to want it. That's a big. That's a that's a big add for them up front. Um. So I think Juventus is going to play them tough, but I think they end up in their best interest. It might be better for them to end up two because you might be able to get um a team like ooh like Sevilla, who I think they could beat that wins the group. I think they could beat like if they played like Dortmund or somebody like that, who wins the group, I think they could, they can beat them and move on. So I think it might be in their better interest to finish second. Bastiano, right. you're the last one that's going to be talking about the group stage. And then we have two quick things to talk about. I mean, we're yeah. up uh,
0: once again, we're thinking on a very similar page, Chris, because I also have Chelsea won. Juventus too. I think Chelsea and Juventus should both beat Malmo and Zenit twice each in theory. Uh so it'll just come down to the games between them and I think Chelsea has the edge there. And then I'm going Zenit St Petersburg third and Malmo unfortunately fourth.
2: Malmo Zenit event is Chelsea.
0: I think we got some big uh, some big Champions League campaigns lined up for our USMNT guys. Weston McKinney, Brennan Aronson, <laughs> Gio Reyna. I'm excited to watch all those guys. We got
2: some we get some stage. some good ones overall just to look forward to. All right. Let's move on to the English side of soccer. We're gonna to go to the Premier League. Boy. So the time we're recording we're recording Saturday, Saturday morning and in the, in the United States, Manchester City put a shellacking on Arsenal, five nothing final. Uh, it's for Arsenal fans. It's getting bad. There were fan, there were Arsenal fans in Etihad Stadium that that cheered when um, when City scored their fourth goal. Oh my God! So, so this is they're slowly down a spiraling path. What are what are quick thoughts on Arsenal really quick before we dive into the games for this weekend that we're looking forward to watching? Yeah.
1: I mean, Go ahead, Diego. Um, thank you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've said this. If Arteta just can't seem to get out of his own way, uh, just look at the formation that he came out with today. there's a very stagnant formation of 5-4-1. There is no game to be developed there. All you're doing is you just put in a group there just to defend the net and hope for the best. This isn't a coach. This isn't a mindset. This isn't a strategy. This is just a joke. You also have Martin Odegaard finally uh, in the the starting lineup. Things didn't work out. Why? Because you didn't have an actual strategy here. This is a team that should have lined up at least – maybe in a 4-4-2 formation, 4-3-3 formation. Something creative. 5-4-1? What is it? Just here, s- slap some guys here and let's hope we don't get completely annihilated. 5-0, we'll take it. That's not, that's not 10-0, guys. Hope for the best. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're wasting talent in Bukayo Osaka. you pissing away at em- Emile uh, Smith-Rowe and his position, considering that he wasn't much of a forward this this week. He wasn't much of a creative piece this week at all. Um, Obama Young, like yeah, you expect him to be up front, but when you got nobody creating chances to bring them up front, what are you really doing? You're playing more of a five-five formation and hoping for the best. And even with that five, five formation, you still got smoked like never before. Five nothing. Against a team that didn't even have, um, they didn't even bring bring on somebody like Raji Maris onto the lineup. It, it just brought him in as a substitution. Uh, you look at their defense; they didn't even bother to bring in somebody like John Stones in there. They were just like, well, right with the usuals like Kyle Walker, Ruben Diaz, Laporte, and Cancelo, which still a really great defense. But it wasn't like they were trying to defend their their back of the net because they knew that with the formation that Arsenal was coming by there were never going to be a threat at all they were scared they're they're scared of the fact that Jack Grealish, Ferran Torres and Gabriel Jesus was a front three they th- this this is a team that lacks the DNA, that lacks that threat that Arsene Wenger once had for Arsenal. This is a team that is not being respected by their coach. It's just being put together some formation in there to just hope for the best and have a shit attitude when asked questions. Um, I, I still think Arteta will get sacked by middle of the season. Um, I'm hoping that the next game against Norwich city doesn't turn out to be an embarrassment for these, for these guys because realistically Arsenal does have a really good team. Um, you're looking at Tierney, You're looking at Robert, uh, Robert Holden. Uh, Leno is a really good, um, really good goalie. Martin Odegaard, Bukayo Saka, uh, Abomeyang. Like, you have a good team, you have a piss poor manager who has no idea what to do now with the talent that he has. He has no idea what to do with it. We saw nothing of Lakonga in this match, we hardly saw uh, Maiton Miles. We barely saw the cassette in there. Uh, El Elneny, he really didn't have much to be involved in there. I guess maybe just to cover up the patch that Grandin Shaka left open, but other than that, this—I don't know. This this was this was not a recipe for success at all for this team today. They that five-zero score is justifiable for what a Ted I hadn't planned today, which was. Just go out there and do your best to defend Burn. And that was it.
2: I mean, yeah, I just think I think I think we all can agree that their start of the season, besides Brentford, was a tough, a tough draw. Yep. Brentford on the road, you know, they played they played really well. Um then last week with Chelsea, I thought they played Chelsea solid overall. Like I, I didn't think they played bad against Chelsea. Chelsea was just it's just a step better than. Them. And then this week was just an absolute dumpster fire of a game for them. So I think with next week hosting Norwich at home, if you don't at least pick up a point in that, if you don't at least score a goal, there's no way Marquel Terra lasts longer like than that. That's
1: the, that's the thing though. Like with a team like this, a team this good and this youthful, you shouldn't be having to hope that you can at least pick up a point at home against a recently promoted team. You shouldn't be. You should be well-coaching. You should be aiming for three points at least at home. Get your first win of the the season going and get back on track. That's what you should be hoping for.
0: Yeah, I have a few thoughts on Arsenal so far. I mean, I think if you look at that back five that they played today, Kieran Tierney at left back, I like him. He's a good player. But then Kolasinac holding Chambers and Cedric Suarez, four of your back five against Man City at the Etihad, that's tough. Like, you're without Gabriel and you're without Ben White, who in theory are your two best center backs, probably who Arteta wants to start at center back, I would imagine. Um, So that's – with all due respect to those players – that that's a lineup that's going to give up goals to man city at the, at the end Um, all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, And like Chris said, I think the, the start of their season was very tough. If you think about it, the first three premier league games Um, against Brentford, the very first game of the season against a team who's never played a premier league match and hasn't played a top flight match in 70 odd years. There's no question that they were going to come out on fire um, so I think that would have been a tough, a tough match for anyone really in the league. And then Chelsea and Man City, I think, are just both flat out better than Arsenal. So if they had played Chelsea in October and Man City in November, and those two losses are spread out a bit more, I don't think people are quite up, quite as up in arms as they are because those games were back to back. I think I've seen some people on Twitter saying. Arteta should be fired already right away. I think at a bare minimum, you have to at least give him the week of the international break and then give him that match against Norwich um, to try and turn things around. And if there's an improvement there against Norwich, then maybe you have something to build on. If not, it might be a lost ship, but don't forget also that they did beat West Brom six, nothing in the EFL cup midweek. So it's not like they there's been absolutely nothing going for them this season. Um, I think that they're, they're struggling a lot right now. And the, the fact that they had a very, very tough start to the Premier League season didn't exactly help with that. But I think there is still time to turn it around, obviously only three games in. So I think, although the, although Arteta is under pressure and is probably on the hot seat. I think it's a little bit early to fire him right now just because of, I mean, I think you're probably playing two of the three best teams in England and within the first three weeks of the season, that would be tough for any other team in the league as well. So we shall see, but uh, yeah, not great, not great times for Arsenal so far in the premier league season. All
2: right. Last thing that we're going to discuss really quick, premier League games match day three, Give me some matches that you're uh, most excited about this weekend.
1: All right. Um, I'm going to start first with Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, it's a good clash between two of the top six that we expect them to be in the top six anyways this year. Uh, would be interesting to see how the matchup between Lukaku versus Van Dijk will look like Uh, I'm excited for that both of them are very physical both very tall both very uh, driven for the ball so it would be a good matchup to to look forward to Uh, the second one I'm looking forward to is um, West Ham and Crystal Palace which is actually just about uh, taking place Uh, West Ham has been really good Crystal Palace on the other hand has had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but they seem to uh, they they at least tied against Brentford um, in a, in a very tough match. Uh, I think Patrick Vieira is doing a good job so far with Crystal Palace. It's a team that requires a lot of time and finesse to uh, to get back on track, and I think Vieira is doing just that. Uh, just needs a little bit more time and a little bit more help with some signings. I think the October window for Crystal Palace might be something that might be their most active window, um, and then the second game, the third game that I think will actually be interesting to watch is uh, it, it's a tie for me between Leeds United at Burnley and Wolves versus Manchester United. Um, Leeds versus Burnley simply because. Both are really tough teams to uh, to face. Whether you are a top six um, a top six club in the English Premier League, whether you're a middle of the table team, or whether you're a bottom of the table team, both teams are just really, really good. Um, Patrick Banford, shout out to him, just getting the nod for um, to go to uh, the World Cup qualifiers for for England. Uh, so, shout out to him. Marcel Bielsa, great job on coaching him. Um, and I think Wolves versus Manchester United, it's always been a good game. Um, Expected to be a good game as well. Um, I expect to see Ashley Rafael Varane here, and hence why I picked it as, um, as a potential match to be a really good match this week.
2: All right. I'm going to go really quick here. Um, I think my games to watch for. Obviously, Liverpool-Chelsea we talked about. Uh, Wolves and Man United is a good one because if United either win or draw, they set the record for most consecutive English uh, league games where they're unbeaten. So they they tied the record last week at 27. If they get it today, tomorrow it'll be 28 total. Um, and then the other matchup I'm curious about is I'm curious to see how Brighton and Everton play. Brighton has started the season off very well. Everton the same um would we'll love to see Everton pull up, pull that one off
1: Everton is rumored to uh to be getting Luis Diaz from Porto as well yeah which that is would be nice
2: but send, but the the rumor is they're sending uh James back with it yeah
1: which is a slap in the face for James Rodriguez
0: yeah i mean if it's not going to work out here he might as well go somewhere where he can play in the Champions League i guess at least um hey
1: i going back to Porto it's a beautiful fairy tale because he, yeah. he was incredible for Porto when he played right. there.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like there could be a couple of different uh, moves that Everton are making before the deadline. Like you already said, Chris Moyes keen going to Juventus as well, but um, my three games, I think I would go with Aston Villa and Brentford. I think that's a fun matchup on paper. Both of those teams have already been involved in some exciting matches so far this season. Um, Norwich and Leicester is a pretty interesting one too. I think we're still sort of waiting to see how Norwich are going to fare. They had two very, very tough matches to start the season against Liverpool and Man City. Um, and it's another, another tough test against a good Leicester team. Um, and then I think I would go with Wolves and Man United as well. Wolves also, I think we're still sort of trying to figure out what they're all about with the new manager, new direction. Um, They're they're still looking for their first Premier League win uh, at home against Man United, who is sure to be flying high, I would think, in this one, given the the big addition of Ronaldo, whether or not he plays. Um, So I think that could potentially be an exciting match as well. And then, of course, Liverpool and Chelsea, which we discussed, is a big, big matchup as well this week.
2: Well, uh, real quick before before we start recording, stop recording. Um, Leicester City's already scored within the first 10 minutes, they're up one-nothing over Norwich, and Brentford has scored within the first 10 minutes, and they're up one-nothing over Aston Villa. Wow. So early we, action. That being said, from all of us here at the L Podcast, shout out to our, our friends at actually gun again. Make sure. Exelgun.com, code CGS10. Andrew, show me the 10 hands. (laughs) 10. 10 for 10% off. Um, Thank you again to Couch Guy Sports. Happy birthday to the Yellow Card Podcast again. And we will see you guys next week for episode five zero fifty episode 50 of this podcast. Can't believe it. That's right.